look at the passage, Galatians 5, 1. Uh, let me read this to you and with you. It says, Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. Uh, Lord, if you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak to it. You look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher. I know that on me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I accept my place and rightly divide your word. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you guys today. Thanks for being here with us. Through the month of July, we're focusing on freedom, what it means. Um, last two sermons, if you're new to our church or you're even a guest today, uh, you may want to go to our website and go to our podcast, listen to those, catch that up. Uh, you, um, you may want to share that with other people. These sermons do run together. Uh, you'll see that in just a moment. And uh, I want to say that I, I go different places during the week and I run into people listening to our podcast. Recently, Julie and I were at another place in Frankfurt and somebody recognized my voice and they stepped into where we were and said, uh, I know it's you uh, because I know your voice. And they said, I want you to know we listen to your podcast. I, I get notes. So uh, thanks for that. Thanks for all the team up there that does the recording and the group that does the editing. And thank you for putting that out there. Uh, I want to thank you for our attendance. Our, uh, usually you can be in a summer slump. And I tell you, our uh, first service was practically full. Uh, you've been here during the summer. I just want to thank you for inviting people to be here. It's growing. We're continually every Sunday meeting people. Um, thank you for inviting people, showing hospitality to them, sitting with them. Our building's not that big. It doesn't take that long to figure it out. But you're, you're, you're making them feel comfortable. I'm running into ministries that God is revealing to you to do. And I run into them and find out that you're doing them. And it's beautiful to be able to hear that. Uh, our focus on freedom, in Christ we have freedom. Freedom not to do what you want. You're gonna see passages today that talk about that. But freedom to do what he wills you to do. Uh, his order of life, the kingdom principles that he asks us to live, I, I want to remind you something. When we talk about freedom in Christ, we're not talking about a political freedom. Most of the world has no idea what we're talking about when we talk about political freedom. I just want to remind you that Christ's freedom has lasted way longer than any political freedom. All right? People have lived in the freedom of Christ much longer than any national or political freedom. And when, some people will go, when you talk about freedom, that's what they think. What I'm talking about is a freedom to live in his kingdom and to live out the kingdom no matter what political structure you are under. Do you understand that? You get that? I want you to see that. So when we talk about freedom, we're talking about freedom from what? 
So here comes the review, all right? And if you're, we do have some first time guests with us today and people who are new to our church, we're gonna back up just a little bit and tell you what we have freedom from. And uh, I'm going to James 1, 14 and 15 and you're going, oh no, and I'm going, oh yes. <laughs> Uh, we've been here at least the seventh time in the last three weeks, probably. Uh, we have been here. Uh, what I want to give you here, I want you to learn this. Are you listening? I'm going to be your teacher. I'm giving you homework. Learn this verse. Learn that chapter one in James. Because this is the pattern that the enemy uses on every one of us. And this is the pattern he's been using from the beginning of it all. He, he uses this pattern for all of us. So when I say I have freedom, I'm not talking about a national or a political freedom. I'm talking about I have freedom from this. And I'm going to walk you through it again, step by step. All right, I want you to know this. When you're dealing with people and they're going, well, what am I caught up in? You, people are in one of these steps usually. Some of us could have been on the same step. Some of us could have been at different places. But I have freedom from this. This is the enemy's pattern. This is his scheme. This is his strategy. And the first thing he does is draw you away. I've said it. You all have looked at me like I've had three heads. I watch it. I watch it happen. You're going to say, well, man, what you're about to say is, is uh, it's, it's a legalist point of view. One of the first things he will do is he will draw you away from the word of God, the people of God, and the house of God. All right? It'll be subtle, but he will draw you away. That is a strategy. And some of you fall right into it. I've been there. Julie didn't marry a preacher. I've told you, I didn't attend church with my wife for a long time. I, I was hunting or playing golf or whatever else. And then some of you all are going, why'd you have to bring up golf? <laughs> right? I mean, I, 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 was, I would do anything to not go to church. And, and my wife is here. She used to stand at the door of our carport, cry, beg me to go to church. I'd say, no, I'm not going. I know I know that drawn away, he intends to draw you away. You, you may fight me, you may disagree with me, but it is one of the first steps of the pattern is to draw you away. Second is he will, in, you'll be enticed by your own evil desires. God gave us desires. He intends for us to use them in a God-blessed way. You've got a choice in your desires. I can, I can use it in, a, in the order of God and what he has set along with his kingdom principle or I can choose to do it in a God-forbidden way. You have, you have one or two choices. This afternoon, you will have a situation that'll come in your life. You've got one or two ways to handle that situation in a way that God blesses and ordains or in a way that is a disobedience to him. And I'm gonna tell you as a pastor, I'm, I'm working hard on my part. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But to get you to learn, it's a moment by moment walk with him, okay? 
I've got to, I've got to take the scenario that I'm in, the situation that I'm in, and I've got to go, I can either do this in a way that blesses the Lord, or I can do this in a way that the Lord forbids. But it's our desires he's given to us, and we're enticed by them. I mean, the enemy makes them look really appealing. You know, I've said this to you for a long time as a pastor. Uh, Julie and I, we're, we're starting 30 years here. So I've said this, even when I was at First Baptist, I have said this. The, the enticement is, he, it's his lies. And what I've said for a long time is people think that following God is too difficult that it's the difficult life. I'm telling you the unfaithful life is the most difficult life. And scripture says that, that it's the most difficult life to live. A faithful life is difficult, but it's not the most difficult. And the enemy will entice you. And he's actually, and you'll see it in a moment later on you, in the sermon, he's actually moving you away to a more difficult life. Not, not one that you can do. It's a more unfaithful life. Then after your desires have occurred, they were thoughts, became actions. It's conceived. He gives a birth narrative here. It gives birth to sin. It grows. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And death here is talking about spiritual death, physical death, eternal death, total separation from the Lord. You see that. So what am I free from? Where, what am I free from? This pattern right here is a pattern to absolutely bind you. This pattern, the enemy's pattern here, and I want you to get to know this. Go ahead and ask me if I'm done with this verse for the rest of the fall. That's a rhetorical question, but just go ahead and ask it, all right? Because I want this in where it's involved in your spiritual conversations with people, all right? I want to teach you that. That all, all of this is to bind me. All of this is chaining me up. So what am I set free from? Christ, here's the beauty of the gospel. This is, this, I love Jesus so much for this. And not just a historical Jesus, but Jesus who is alive, raised from the dead, right? He, he, he finds us in all these steps. You can go, well, he found me at that step or that step. He finds us there and he reaches in. Now, I grew up in Summersville, outside of Camelsville. They say it retched at home. Can I say it that way? They retched in. Y'all with me? That's my country vernacular. And you're going to get more of that later on in the sermon. I'm just warning you. But the Lord reached. He was reaching into this. You remember that old shout to the Lord? The Lord, the Lord pulled me out of that miry clay, and he set me on solid ground. That's the picture of this. It doesn't matter how deep you are in this system, he will reach in and pull you out of it. You're going, well, he can't reach down at that bottom part. Oh, yes, he can. And that's what I'm free from. When I come to Christ, he reaches in one of these steps wherever we are, and he pulls us out of that, and you're going, what am I free from? I'm free from that. 
I'm free from the enemy's scheme and the pattern of his life, from my life to destroy me and to hurt me, to bring harm to me, even to those who are around me. <clears throat> this is a pattern of destruction. So here's a verse I'm gonna give you that I want you to use with this verse, which I'm hinting, take notes, okay? This is 1 John 3, 8. Out of the disciples, Jesus was hanging out with three of them more than the rest, Peter, James, and John. Out of the three, Peter, James, and John, there was one who was closer to him and his name was John. He's referred to as the beloved to the Lord. And you may be saying, well, Jeff, do you pay attention to some of the writings of John more than you do others? I can probably confess to that and say, yes, because he knew him well. Even though all of it's driven by the Holy Spirit, I do love reading the writings of John, which would be the gospel of John, first, second, third John, even the book of Revelation. <clears throat> Look what he writes here. This is John. The one who commits sin is of the devil. Well, who else are you gonna be a part of? Right? I, I had a guy call me on the road. It's a young man that I've, I've been in his life for a long time. He travels all over the nation. He was calling me. He called me this week and just had a bunch of questions. And he was, he was like, uh, I, I don't know why I called you today. And I called him my name. I said, well, Here's the simple form of me. I can, I can certainly tell you the devil didn't tell you to call me. <laughs> okay? The devil would tell him not to call me. So the one who commits sin is of the devil. No big deal, right? You're doing the devil's bidding. You know what he wants? He wants you back in that pattern. What pattern am I talking about? I'm gonna do a Hulk Hogan here. Chapter one. Yeah, you don't count, Tyra. You count, but you don't count. All right? You matter, but you don't count here. Yeah, first, James 1, 14. He, he, for, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. We handled that last Sunday. You need to hear that one. So the son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work and works. That pattern, Jesus came in to shatter that. He came in, isn't that beautiful? That's the gospel. That's the gospel message. You're, you're in, go back to James 1, 14. You, you are in that pattern somewhere. You and I all, all of us were. Your kids will be. And what does he do? He reaches in to whatever stage we're in there, whatever step we're in, and he pulls us out of that. What am I set free from? I am set free from that. He came to destroy the works of of the enemy. And so with Christ, we're in a relationship with him and he pulls us out. So what do we do? I told you, you'll have situations this afternoon and you're going to have to handle them. What do you do? Second Corinthians 10, five. All right. We've been here before. And every high minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, take every thought captive to obey Christ or to the obedience of Christ, whichever your version says, both of them are right. But I've got to take every thought captive. Is that thought 
Is it of the enemy? Is that thought of the Lord? And you're going, well, that process doesn't go on in my head. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And, and with this thought, am I gonna, am I gonna take this and do, do it in a way that God blesses? Or am I gonna do this in the way that is forbidden? that God forbids, that is disobedient to him. You, you have to work in such a way. So freedom, freedom is I'm no longer in that pattern of sin and I, it, it's not chaining me up, it's not binding me up, but I am free from that and it means I have the freedom to obey Christ. I have the freedom to obey the Lord in situations that are going on. You'll, that will happen this afternoon. And as a pastor, I want you to hear my heart. I, I don't want to pastor you being just active. And I want, I want you, I want to pastor you to where you've got thoughts coming to your mind and moment by moment, you're able to take those thoughts and go, this one's of the Lord and this one's of the enemy and live abundantly for him. That's what I want to do with you. That's what I feel led to do with you. How do you handle those situations, those thoughts, those moments, hang on, that the enemy is trying to move you back into his pattern? Do you all get this? You're all looking at me like I'm crazy. You get it? And how do I live abundantly with him? Then how do you teach others to live abundantly for him? It is important that you see that our freedom is from James 1.14, the pattern of the enemy. And our freedom is the right to be able to obey Christ. We also say that he saves us. From what? What does he save us from? Well, he saves us from that pattern of sin that I've been showing you in James 1.14. And he, he, he saves you from the fact that Satan has a destination for you. And it's called hell. In Matthew, in the Gospels, it teaches that hell was created for Satan and his demons. But the enemy knows that if you live a life of unbelief in the Lord, you're going to end up there too. I was listening to a song this morning coming in. I, I listened to Air One a lot. I listened to Caleb, Air One. And then, hang on a moment. Sometimes I turn it off and have my own personal concert. Do y'all ever do that? Has that ever happened with you guys? Okay, good. And uh, so I was listening coming in this morning and it said, it, it was talking about, hell missed another one. I have been set free. Listen, go back to, th thank you. <laughs> Greg, thank you. Uh, he knows. Greg, you know. You're a prophet up there. Uh, it, it, it is the enemy wants me in this pattern. He wants me back in this pattern. The struggle you and I have on this earth is to be away from this pattern in Christ and for him to have me back in this pattern. Would you agree with that? Paul says the things I, I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. It's a struggle of this. There's, there's just this struggle back and forth of this pattern. And, uh, but when this happens, when he saves us and he sets us free, he pulls us out of that pattern of sin. And, and, and then the beauty of it is this. I, I have missed hell. Do you get that? 
I have, I have missed, because Satan not only has a destruction, Satan also has a destination. And he, he knows this pattern will end up leading me there. That's under the word death. It will lead me there. But the beauty of it, Jesus came to die. Because if you take on the sins of the world, sin has to be punished with death. And Jesus died. And he died for, he had to die. He couldn't sweep it under the rug because sin brings death. And he died. And when he died, we'll get to it in a moment. I'm getting really ahead of myself, but I'm excited. I was ready to preach. Got up early this morning. Watched a little bit of the open this morning. Go on, Brian Harmon, left-handed boy from Georgia. You know what I'm saying? I'm left-handed if you didn't know that. And I got to root for him a little bit. So I'm taping it so I can see him after the service. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the gospel. But in this... Uh, in, in this is the picture, the picture that it has a destination. <laughs> he wants, the struggle is this. He wants us in it. Christ wants us out of this. And it's a constant struggle back and forth. And th the picture here is not only did he save us to be out of that pattern, not only did he save us to escape hell, but he saved us to be able to serve other people. Look at Galatians 5.13. Um, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't do that. Remember, you're going to have situations even this afternoon. Am I going to follow the Lord? Or am I, that, that, is, that is ordained by him, blessed by him, or am I going to follow the Lord, if I'm going to follow this thought in a God-forbidden way? And this freedom is an opportunity of flesh, but to serve one another and to do it through love. And here's, here's a picture of it. I want you to get the whole picture. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. I'll, this is what you need to remind yourself of and this is what you need to remind other people of. I really believe as you follow the Lord, he will send you these people. I, I don't believe you have to go find them. I believe you'll bump into them. I believe it'll happen. So what message do I have to tell them? Well, that the Lord saves them and sets them free. From what? You're going to go James 1.14, right? Isn't that what you're going to do? That's the pattern of sin that the enemy used. He'd been using it from the beginning and he's still using it today. Well, what does he do? Here is James 1.14 and a beautiful rescue package for you. Uh, he, he, he has rescued us. This is Colossians 1. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness pulled us out of that pattern, right? And he has transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. We're no longer in that pattern. We've been saved and then we have been set free. And we have redemption, which means he bought us back. When he died on the cross, he paid a price for me and you. He bought us back. And we have the forgiveness of sins in him. He has forgiven us for being in that James 1.14 pattern. He knew we were there. We're all there. We've all been there. And what did he do? He, he was reaching in there to pull us out of that darkness and then set us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. This is a good deal right here, all right? 
it, this, this is, if you're on Amazon, this is an Amazon choice right here, all right? You, this, to be from the domain of darkness to be transferred into the kingdom of the son that he loves and we're leading a kingdom life. Let's get to Galatians 5.1. All that really has been a review. Let's get to, let's get to Galatians 5.1. Let's walk through it quickly and see what he tells us to do here. Christ has freed us, liberated us to be free. He intends for you to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. He says, he says, stand firm. Let's talk there for just a moment. Do you remember last Sunday we were in John 8, 44? And let's look at John 8, 44 for just a second. He's talking to the Jews who are beginning to believe in him, but they believe Abraham is more superior than Jesus. And you are, you are of your father, the devil, they're fussing about Abraham being the father. And so Jesus is talking a little smack here. We handled that last Sunday. You're of your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in the truth. Do you remember we did a little study last Sunday on the word stood? You stand. That's what Christians do. And the reason he says you don't stand in the truth is because Satan has fallen. You need to remember, Satan is fallen. He, he's, he's called a prince, even by Jesus, a ruler or a prince. Remember I told you last Sunday, he'll never be a king, but he wants to be a king, but he'll never be a king. So in this, he, he, he is fallen, but he, he, he can't stand in the truth. But that's what we do as Christians. And we go back to James, Galatians 5.1. And it says, Christ has liberated us to be free. And so we stand. Some of us are going through difficult situations. And I say us because our family is included in that. I said this to the early service and I was able to see people that I know legitimately are going through difficult situations. What does a Christian do when they go through difficult situations? They stand. We stand firm. Listen, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, I've got a hope that you'll never have until you come to Christ. You'll never have it. You'll never be able to live in it. You're thinking, well, I'll go to church and I'll get that hope too. I want you to come to church, but you gotta let Jesus pull you out of that pattern, right? And then I live in a hope that an unbeliever never has. I live under the promises of God. So when difficult situations come, do Christians falter and fall? No. What does the Old Testament say? We, we will run and not... We stand. In all situations, we don't stand when things are good. We, we, we don't rejoice because the ice cream machine happens to start working one particular day at McDonald's. We stand when things are at the very worst of our life. What do we do? We stand. And we're able to stand because of who Christ is and the truth that he gives us. He has whipped everything we've ever been afraid of. Death, grave, all of it. He has whipped it so we stand firm. And then he says, don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. I want to talk about the word submit, but I want to talk about that last. The, the yoke of slavery is very 
is a very clear picture. It has to do with the bondage, like James 1.14 wants to bind you. It's like he wants to wrap you up where you can't live in any kind of a freedom. Uh, we handled this uh, the other day talking uh, about specifically sin, but it is a picture of being chained or being shackled. I remember an old Hope Church song. Tyra, you and Vanessa will remember this. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. You know, and it, it, it is the removal. When he pulls you out of James 1.14, it so happens to be a verse you know, right? I'm not convinced, but anyway, we're going to get there one day. When he pulls you out of James 1, 14, he's removed the shackles. The devil has put the shackles around you. He has taken them off. So he says, don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. To, to give you a bigger picture of that, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It matches, this matches exactly what is being said there in Galatians 5, 1. Therefore, since we also have such a loud cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight of sin that so easily ensnares us, tangles us up. He says it's, it easily does it. Let, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. And here's what Christ did. He's keep, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. Which if I go to James 1.14, he wants to draw me away from fixing my eyes on Christ. You got it? Y'all putting all this together? That's step one. Step one is, and that is to pull you away from fixing your eyes on the Lord. As a pastor, I want that to become a step one in the kingdom. How do you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? How do you do it? How do you think about him multiple times a day? Not just one day a week. How do you do that? How does that happen? Who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross, which is reaching down into that pattern of sin, pulling us out, despised the shame, and now he's at the right hand of the Father, which is a place of authority. I just want you to see how quickly, how quickly sin will ensnare you and will chain you up. But we're gonna go back to the word submit in Galatians 5.1. It says in here that we are we don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. The word submit here means that you are put under. In other words, you're forced there. And I'm going to explain it to you in a way I hope you understand this. I want to go back to using James 4-7 that we used the other Sunday. And there's the word submit. To me and you both in the English, it's the word submit. You and I see no difference. But in the Greek language, there's a complete difference. They're not the same word. In English, they are. In Greek, they are not. Here, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You, you need to do that step by step. If you go to step two and think you're going to get step three, you will not. You have to do step one first. And James' word submit means I have placed myself under the lordship of Christ. He is my king, he is my Lord, he is my savior, he is my master. And I have willfully, I have willfully put my life under his lordship. 
Now we go, we go back to Galatians 5.1 and the word submit there is not the same word. It is in English, but it's not in Greek. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. It means you're a force there. So let, let me explain it to you in this way and uh, may, maybe it'll, it'll help you out. Uh, I, uh, in college, my roommate was Scott Wilkins and uh, Scott and I, I played baseball in college. In fact, a, a brother just talked to me. He met one of my teammates at Cabela's yesterday. And uh, my room was called the Omni. And if you don't know what the Omni, the Omni was the, the auditorium back in the day in Atlanta. And the Omni was known for uh, WWE or WWF then, the World wrestling federation and I, I wasn't that big of a fan of wrestling but my dad was and i know that sounds like i'm throwing my dad under the bus but i i, I really wasn't that big of a fan but scott wilkins and i would uh, wrestle anybody on campus it didn't matter who you were we would wrestle you and so we had these ski masks we would wear and uh i was uh I had two wrestlers. I was uh, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, if you remember him. And then I was also sometimes Jimmy Superfly Snuka. I don't know if you remember Jimmy Superfly Snuka. He'd come off the rope. And uh, so we'd wrestle anybody. And so this guy from Lincoln County, his name's Tim Estes. Uh, Tim is a radio personality there today, actually a really popular guy, a well-known guy. He used to coach the football team at Lincoln County. Uh, back when they had some really good runs in, uh, in high school football. In fact, when uh, they came to play Anderson County, uh, he asked me to come speak to his football team. And we were going to the game anyway, so uh, we did. But they came in, he brought a friend in, and so, you know, I became Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and I was on the desk, and, you know, I, I don't know, I think we're among friends. I, I, I came off the desk, and Tim may have kind of bounced off the bed and hit his head on the desk, and may have, I don't know for sure, but he may have cut a big, huge gap in the back of his head, and we might have taken him to the emergency room at Taylor County Hospital, uh, but anyway, uh, when you can I say you want you want me to say wrestling or wrestling? Which one do you want? You want me to say wrestling? All right. And then when we were wrestling, um, I uh, I'm, I am forcing somebody down. I am, my intention is to pin them. We, we have a wrestling coach in our church and we have people in our church that wrestle competitively. So, uh, my intent is to pin them. Is to, my intent wasn't to take Tim to the emergency room, uh, but my intent was to pin him for the three count, right? That's what sin does. Sin wants to take you and slam you and pin you. That's what that word submit means, by force. Don't, don't submit again, because he knew you, you were there anyway, right? The word again is very important here. Don't, don't submit again. The sin by force takes me and you and slams us and then pins us, ties us up, chains us up. 
You, you're you're going to live. Some people think a life of sin is freedom. It's actually a picture of being chained up in bondage. And he said, stand firm and don't submit by force. Don't let sin pin you and keep you from what the Lord is wanting you to do. He has saved you and he has given you freedom. So you, you live in that. Do you see the difference? When I submit myself to God, I'm under, I am placing myself under his lordship. He's not body slamming me. He body slammed himself for me. So the, that submit is I'm under his lordship. And then stand, the word resist, stand against the devil, because that's what Christians do, right? We stand, and then he will flee from you because you're in the truth. And he can't stand in the truth. Why? Because he's fallen, and he's the father of lies. And you see that picture going back and forth. This one, sin takes you, body slams you, pins you, ties you up. He said, don't do that again. Don't give in to the yoke of slavery. I want to leave you with a blessing here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 15 and verses 16. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Can I help you all out? Quit arguing with people. Do you see this verse? Take time and read it again by yourself. Quit arguing with people. They just want, they just, they love arguing. Uh, do good. Bless them. Don't, don't overcome evil with evil. You overcome evil with kind, kindness. You may not agree with that, but let that one process you for just a moment. Verse 16, as God's slaves... We're under his lordship. Live as free people. We're not talking about political freedom here. We're talking about freedom in the kingdom of God. He saved me and he has set me free from what? James 1.14, that pattern of sin. And, and use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Use your freedom to serve other people. Use your freedom to be able to do that. And, and, and even bless them. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, when you're a preacher, you have people against you, right? Seriously, I was, had that conversation this week. People becoming, they, they turn against you. I told you God made preachers so you have somebody to be mad at, right? And uh, in that, I, I, just, I just have quit arguing with people. In fact, Sometimes they'll say something and I just stare at them. That makes them more uncomfortable than anything in the world, right? And then I go, do you want to wrestle? No, I don't. I, 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 I'm, I'm kidding. I, I don't. I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. Um, but you, you end up treat them well, do good to them. And that is what a people in freedom look like. That's what a people in freedom look like. So use your freedom to minister to other people, do good to other people, encourage other people, and let them know the hope that you have, they can have it too. But Christ has to come into that pattern and people are at different steps in that pattern and he sets us free, right? And we rejoice. In our prayer right now, let's give thanks. Lord, thank you 
that you stepped into that, that demonic, devilish pattern for our lives and you pulled me out of the miry clay and you set me on solid ground. Can we thank him together? Let's bow. Let's give thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to undo the works of the enemy. And we're learning, Lord, in your word that the works of the enemy is to just bind us in a pattern of sin and more sin and death. And we stop in this service. We've uplifted your name. We've presented and made your gospel as clear as we know how. But we say thank you. Thank you for the rescue. You're Hosanna. You're the one who rescues us. And Lord, there are people who need to hear this message of rescue. We ask even in this service that you direct us to those people. You have prepped us with your word and prepare us with your Holy Spirit to have these conversations with these people and declare the hope that we have in you. And the hope that we have, they can have it too. Thank you for being our rescuer. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and that we pray together. Amen. Church, the invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come. Our counselors will be here to receive you, to pray with you. If you're here, you've never been baptized, talk to our counselors about it. We'll get it worked out to where you take your next step of obedience and baptism. But you come. So church, would you stand? Counselors, find your spots. Tucker and the team's going to lead us. And you come.